Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Friday, September 4th. Last week marked 100 years since the 19th Amendment officially became part of the U.S. Constitution. Many have rightly focused on the hard-won fight for that right to vote. Yes, but... Nothing in the 19th Amendment interferes with the ability of states, particularly Southern states, to keep Black women from the polls. And so for Black women, the ability to vote wouldn't come for another 45 years. And in that fight, there are women many of us are just now learning about. And that's why we wanted to bring you a special episode about Black women's fight for the right to vote. Today, we're talking about the hidden figures of the suffragist movement and how their echoes influence Black women's political reality today. Martha Jones is an author, a historian, and a professor, and she focuses on how Black Americans have shaped American democracy. Her new book caught our eye because it's about how Black women broke barriers, won and insisted on equality for all. It's called Vanguard, and it comes out next Tuesday. Dr. Jones, you undertook this massive exercise of collecting histories of African-American women in social and political movements starting from 1840. Where did you find the examples of these women and their involvement? A lot of our histories recount in great detail what happens within women's suffrage associations. And we know that there aren't a great number of African-American women who belong to those associations. So my work was to follow African-American women to where they were organizing, where they were active. And I find them in churches and sororities and women's clubs. I find them in civil rights organization. And there, it turns out, also building a movement for voting rights, one that is very attentive to the 19th Amendment, but doesn't end with the 19th Amendment. And I wonder if you could tell us about the story of one of these women, Hester Lane. So Hester Lane started a business and she's successful enough that she enters anti-slavery politics first by rescuing and retrieving enslaved people. But in 1840, when Hester Lane vies for an office in the American Anti-Slavery Society, While the white women will be elected and assume leadership spots, Hester Lane is declined. And so it's an example for me of the ways in which black and white women in early America share political objectives, but they don't always stand in precisely the same shoes. What's an important principle for us to think about as we learn these stories? They were the original anti-racist feminists. These were women who leveled a critique that says no racism, no sexism in American political culture. And for a long time, they were alone in that struggle. But their tenacity, their persistence, their endurance in that struggle, I think is a tremendous lesson. We have an opportunity in 2020 to learn better, I think, the history of some of the remarkable African-American women who are leading our political culture today. For example, Senator Kamala Harris in the Democratic Convention. Women like Mary Church Terrell, Mary Cloyd Bethune, Fannie Lou Hamer, and Diane Nash, Constance Baker Motley, and the great Shirley Chisholm. Well, if Americans didn't know who those women were before, it's time to meet some Black suffragists. And she gives them credit. And I hope in 2020, we can give them credit too. 
Martha Jones is the author of Vanguard, How Black Women Broke Barriers, Won the Vote, and Insisted on Equality for All. Dr. Jones, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. How did that movement build to what we have today? We'll be back in 15 seconds with that. Welcome back to Axios Today. This is a theme that came out in 1963 when A. Phil Brandolph, a trade unionist, came forth to call for a march on Washington, asking for an end to Jim Crow laws, equal access to public education, and civil rights legislation that would change the face of a nation. That's a young Stacey Abrams speaking at the March on Washington in 1993. She was referencing activists who came before her to fight to pass the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It's really interesting to see how, with the passage of the 19th Amendment, the first wave of feminism kind of died down for white women, but picked up for Black women. Dr. Tasha Philpott is a political scientist and professor of government at the University of Texas at Austin. She's focused on African-American politics and the way politics of today are influenced by that history. And so it's during that time that you get the Harlem Renaissance, where you get the emergence of Black women mixing art with politics, all of the -the on-the-ground organizations that were still fighting for equal rights. Women like Billie Holiday, who were innovative not just in their singing, but the political messages they sang about. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. And Dr. Philpott says that hasn't changed much. Black women continue to use their voices to mobilize. Since 2008, they've turned out to vote in record numbers. In 2012, Black voter turnout actually exceeded turnout among white people. And that was largely driven by Black female voters. People want to believe, right? They want to engage with someone who they think represents them. So having that leader that you can connect with is definitely a plus when you're thinking about voter turnout. And the way those leaders in government look is changing, too. In a 2020 report from the Center for American Women in Politics, women of color now serve in every state legislature except Nebraska. And Black women, specifically, are represented in 44. In just the last decade, Black women across all elective offices, including in state houses, in Congress, and as mayors, have seen significant increases in representation. Since 1920, and even before that, Black women fought for what we now call intersectionality, because issues of gender and race are inherently linked for them. And Dr. Philpott had one final point, that the concerns that matter most to Black women shouldn't just be viewed as Black female issues. These are things that are universal to all women and to all people. They affect all families, all individuals. Things like equal pay for equal work, reproductive rights, affordable childcare access, healthcare access isn't something that would only, if, if accepted, would only be for Black women. That would be for women across the board. Those are all things that everyone can benefit from. Dr. Tasha Philpott is a professor of government at the University of Texas, Austin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we end today's show, the WNBA is working to unite the vote. We also have an opportunity to keep the focus on the issues and demand change. That's Atlanta Dream Center Elizabeth Williams. The Dream is working with eight other teams to set up a challenge for their fans. We stand with strong and determined voices and ask all our fans to vote 
to engage and to make that difference. Each team has a personal voter registration link through the nonprofit When We All Vote. And the goal is to get as many people registered as possible before September 18th. The winning community will be announced on September 22nd. That's National Voter Registration Day. That does it for us this week. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. Special thanks to Axios co-founder, Mike Allen. This episode was produced by Kara Schillen, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, and Carol Alderman. Sarah Kehilani Gu is our executive editor. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Leetal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can write to us at podcasts at axios.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy your holiday weekend.